Okay, so we're, um, we're on a third, third message of a series, uh, The Kingdom Invitation. Um, and what, what I want to say today, so it's, it's Independence Day, right? And um, I'd like to say I'm a big holiday preacher that like uh, people have to remind me, um, you know that it's a holiday, like it's not good to ignore Christmas when you're the pastor up front. You probably should at least mention that it's Christmas or, you know, whatever. So um, fortunately, I have people remind me of that stuff. And, but I was thinking, so I did not plan this message around Ind- Independence Day. But, um, but it fits. It's an interesting thing. Why, why did we need our independence? We needed our independence so we could be yoked, right? <laughs> we had to have the freedom to be yoked. And we're going to talk about, in our culture, our idea of, in, of freedom is independence, right? Ironically, in the kingdom of God, the kingdom that is here, that is upon us, that we're invited into, freedom is being yoked, is is um, sacrificing independence to be yoked to Jesus. And um, we're going to talk about that this morning. Um, if you want to start turning there, I'm going to be in Matthew 13 to start out anyway. And, you know, I should say, in this... In this series, so we've already had two messages, and don't worry, you're going to be able to track perfectly, even if you're a visitor, this is the first one you're hearing. Um, We started out, let me just go back to last week. We pointed out that Jesus said, unless you enter as a child, you'll by no means enter, okay? And what we talked about last week was every time the disciples or or a crowd or and anyone became too heady, became too religious, too theological or something, the father would bring a child into their midst and Jesus would haul a child in front of them and say, the only way you can enter the kingdom of God is, is to look at things, look at reality like you've never seen it before. The eyes of a child, no preconceptions, and we lay that down, right? So, so um, the other thing we said was, Jesus only ever had one message, <laughs> and it was, it was the kingdom of God. It is the kingdom is upon you. The, the kingdom is here. It's within your reach. You need only reach out and grab it. He didn't, t- he didn't teach about a kingdom out there in the future somewhere. Even when Jesus sent the 12 disciples, he said, go out and tell them the kingdom is here, the kingdom is upon you, and then show them, and then pray with an authority so that you demonstrate the reality of the kingdom, just, just like Jesus. Okay, so in other words, every parable, everything he spoke was actually a kingdom invitation to have what's here. Here in Matthew 13, um, Jesus basically gives three agricultural parables, and then there's a fourth you know, either agriculture or seed in a row. I don't think that's a coincidence. We're going to talk about that. And then he gives a parable about leaven that looks unrelated. It looks like, well, Jesus got distracted, like you guys see me do all the time. You read that and you think, Jesus got distracted and he changed the subject. I'm going to tell you, he's not as distractible as I am, I don't think. And I think it was on purpose that he, that he did that, that passage on the leaven. So as we read these, I want you to remember that, that um, all of his words were to be an invitation into his kingdom. 
Does that make sense? So as we read, in fact, some of the parables start out, and Jesus literally says, um, the kingdom of heaven is like, okay? And these, these don't, actually, the first one we start with says that, and this is the, the beginning of a conversation that he's having with them. So I'm starting in Matthew um, chapter 13, verse 24, okay? You're all going to know this parable. It's the wheat and the tares, it's always been one of my favorites because I think it gives us a glimpse of reality, but I'm going to show you something new. I believe the Lord is just revealing to me. I've always looked at this parable as a description of our reality in this world. I've taught it, in fact. I still think it's true. <laughs> but I'm going to show you something deeper um, that perhaps if we look with the eyes of children like we've never heard this parable before, there's something for us. Verse 24. Another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, an enemy has done this. Now we're going to keep reading, but I've got to stop there for a minute because um, it's not really the main theme of what's on my heart to teach, but we can't just read over this like, like we didn't just read these statements of Jesus and not even mention it. First off, just notice the fact that they're tares, and we're going to pull that apart and talk about it in a minute. Um, weeds, in other words, you all know that's weeds are in the harvest field, are growing up with the harvest. Um, Jesus makes very clear that it's the enemy that's done it. Now that sounds like a duh, but let's stop for a minute. I believe God gets blamed for a lot of things. <laughs> Anybody? You know that's true. How many times have you heard somebody, somebody's going through a really terrible and hard season or they've been stricken with an illness and a, and a good-intentioned Christian or follower of Jesus will say something to the effect of, well, the Lord, the Lord must be trying to build humility in your life or, or the Lord must have sent that to accomplish that. I'm, I'm, I don't even want to make examples. But you follow me. It is very important to know, to realize, not just realize in our head, but to actually understand that the Lord is not capable of evil. <laughs> and he does not put us through evil as if that's the only way he can accomplish something. <laughs> in this parable, Jesus, Jesus is saying that Jesus' followers are noticing that there's a mixture of the wheat which is the, the good of God, the harvest of God, and tares, the weeds that are against it. And, and he does not want us to make the mistake of ever losing sight of the fact that it is the enemy who sows the tares. Amen? No more blaming the Lord for the bad stuff. Now, the Word of God says he brings all things to good. He allows these seasons in our life and, and it does build things in us because the Lord is good. But it is the enemy who sows the wheat, period. So the servant, I'm reading on in uh, verse 28. Um, actually, I'll start at the beginning again of that verse. He said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us uh, then to go gather them up? 
But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Did you notice just this one, the the first of the parables that we're going to grab here um, ends with promise. You got it? Jesus doesn't have any worry (laughs) <laughs> There's no inflection of worry in his voice. He's saying, and, and I want you to notice something. He is very peaceful about the fact that there is the mixture of the tares with the wheat. And he says, let them grow together so you don't uproot what I'm doing with a promise at the end. Good so far? Okay, now watch this. How many of you know just you've gone and researched tares Me neither. (laughs) Until this week. I knew it was weeds. You've done, of course you've done it, Paul. (laughs) I'm just catching up. I I knew it was weeds, and I I know that's not a good thing. I have a greenhouse, so I know that's not a good thing mixed in your crop. I'm not a farmer or anything. But it's amazing what you find when you look at what tares are. In the Jewish virtual library, okay, it's the tares refer to darnel. Is that how you pronounce it? Any Darnell or Darnell? And it says, weed which grows among grain, particularly grows among wheat, um, which fits the parable, right? And it says, the grains resemble those of wheat so that it's very difficult to separate them by sifting or even recognize the difference right away. And as a result, they're sown together with the wheat in the field. Did you catch that? So Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like a place where there's wheat, where there's what's genuine of the kingdom, and then there are weeds that are sown by an enemy. Now get this, that actually resemble the harvest or what he's producing in his kingdom. It goes on and says, Darnel or Darnel flour is poisonous and gives a bitter taste to the bread in which it's been mixed. It hinders the, cult, the cultivation of the kingdom and poisons the fruit of the harvest. And it imitates, it mimics the real thing. Can anybody say religion? Yeah. <laughs> Really, that's what he's talking about. And, and I'm going to show you as we read on in the parables, and remember, he's not a big subject changer. He's not um, like me, like, whoa, squirrel. I mean, I know when I'm preaching, I do that. But I believe the scriptures are laid out very intentionally. There's an order to the parables that he's speaking to the people, and it's, it's all a flow. He wants to invite and create understanding of the kingdom so you can actually live there instead of in this world kingdom. Amen? Anybody want that? Okay, now let me tell you the big, let me read this scripture and I'm going to tell you one big revelation that steered me here. If you want to turn there, you can. It's just a couple of verses though. Luke 17 and verse 20, I'm starting. And it says, now when he asked, when he, Jesus, was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. 
Now, before we even move on, think about the parable of the wheat and the tares. In other words, we think about it. Of course, we live in a world where even in the church, we've got wheat and tares thing going on. And Jesus is not worried about it. For sure in the world, we've got a wheat and a tear thing going on. And Jesus is not concerned with it. He's going he's to win and he knows it. He already won. He already said it's finished. Okay? But he's comfortable with the tension between. Now do this with me. Also in the words of Jesus, he says, the kingdom of God is within you. It's not something out there. Are you guys following me? In other words, when we read about the wheat and the tares, and, and we read about there, are, there is what God is producing, and there are tares that, that fool us, that resemble, that poison what God is doing, it, he's talking about a kingdom within you. So let's do something painful. Go ahead and say, I have some tares. <laughs> okay, because the kingdom is, is within you. Now, bear in mind that Jesus is not uncomfortable with this. I'm going to prove it as we read on. If you're kind of like, oh, are you sure? He's not scared at all. With the tension of these times that you are both wheat and tares. And I'm going to show you. Let's go on to the next parable. And I'm just reading right on in, what chapter are we in? Mark 13, Matthew. Matthew 13, verse 31. Another seed, our agricultural parable. He says, another parable he put forth to them saying, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. So you all know a mustard seed is like, I mean, you can barely even see the thing if you had it in your palm. Now, I want you to imagine a field. Do you all know about how big an acre is? Okay, imagine an acre with me, and it, it might be kind of plowed. I don't care how you imagine. Or there are other things growing there. And I want you to imagine planting the seed. <laughs> you got it? To where like once it went or once you poke it in the ground or whatever, you wouldn't even be able to find it back. And he says the kingdom is like this. And I'm telling you, we haven't changed themes. This is Jesus wanting you to understand the kingdom. And be able to receive it. That's why he's speaking these words. So what's this? In other words, Jesus is very comfortable with the kingdom being something that, that had its beginning is extremely tiny and it becomes. He's very comfortable with journey. Anybody on a journey? I hope so, because you're, really, you're not a follower of Jesus unless you're on a journey. He said it's finished, but everything he presents about the kingdom is that you're on a, cult, a cultivating journey where he inserts a seed and it becomes something. It becomes, but it didn't start that way. Okay? So both, notice that both of these parables are, are a little bit about journey. It's about becoming it's about a harvest, and I'm not even talking about a harvest out there, at least not this morning. I agree, the, the wheat and the tares, this, it's, I still think it's a description of reality in this place, in this age. 
okay? But, but more significant than that is Jesus is talking about you as a kingdom carrier, as an invitation, one who says the kingdom is upon you is what he preached. So he's talking about an internal thing, and he's very comfortable with the idea that the kingdom within you and the, the invitations, the gifts, the destinies that he's written for you start as a seed and it becomes, okay? Good so far? He apparently delights in journey. How many of you have not have been in seasons of of following Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus, and um, and you didn't so much delight in the journey in that season? Okay, and that's okay. Me too. I'll raise my hand. Maybe more. I don't know. It's <laughs> it's it's a wild ride, isn't it? When you follow Jesus, but it's important to notice that he describes the kingdom, the the one who created the creator and the one who thought of you and created you. He describes the kingdom in this journey way. So as much as we kick and scream, you don't get any sense from Jesus about kicking and screaming here. He's very peaceful about his victory over you. The word of God says he will complete what he started in you. That's why Jesus rests. Okay, now watch this. Go on to verse 33 with me, and here's where we talk about the leaven. Another parable he spoke to them, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Now watch this. We didn't change the subject. You know what leaven is? Like a yeast that makes, makes the bread rise, right? In other words, again, we have a very tiny thing. It's a microscopic organism. This one you can't see, at least not the individual <laughs> organism anyway. You can see the powder when you sprinkle it in the dough. But what's the idea here? Jesus is, is putting out there and he's very comfortable with the idea that the kingdom of heaven is like something that is put in and starts really tiny and is intended to overtake the whole thing and will cause the whole thing to rise its influence now remember we're talking about you i'm okay if you think about out there too because i think that's accurate and true too but just for today think about the kingdom within the kingdom of god is like leaven and his intention is that the kingdom of god is something that takes over the whole thing now it's interesting that he would use this metaphor because how many of you know in other places in fact i think we're going to read some in other places leaven he uses leaven as something to avoid Y'all familiar with that? In fact, let's just do this. Go to Matthew 16. We're, I'm going to read um, two places, at least two places. Matthew 16, I'm going to start in verse 5. Now here it says, When his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. If you're scratching your head, we'll talk about that. Verse 7, And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we've taken no bread. Now, how many of you can relate? Um, in other words, um, how often does Jesus speak into our life? Okay? And um, we really have no idea what he's talking about. And what is it that causes us to be completely on the wrong subject? 
You know what it is? It's, they're, they're worried here, right? I'm just going to put out there, um, they are in the throes of having a performance theology. They want to perform for God. It's causing them anxiety. Why else would you be so worked up over lunch? We, I'm serious. I'm, this, is, this is a ministry, right? Imagine we planned a ministry event out at our camp property. And we for, the whole thing is we're going to have free, or we're, we're going to do um, a welcome thing for the community. I'm making this up as I go. And we totally forgot to buy the hamburgers. Well, someone on the ministry team, if not the whole team, is going to have a rush of anxiety. <laughs> That's what they're doing. And this was a culture. These guys were, well, I, I make it like it's only their culture. I think it, unfortunately, it tends to be our culture too. We have a, this world has pumped in a performance mindset where we think if we're not performing well enough for God, he might even kick us out of the group. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> I'm getting hands raised and stuff. I love it. I do it all the time. I, I, that's why I keep myself in healing ministry almost all the time. Otherwise, I would, we, we would be going here and that way to the right and the left, <laughs> right? So they're worried about that, and they, they can't even track with what he's talking about because of their anxiety. And believe it or not, that is um, what he's talking about, <laughs> What a coincidence. He's talking about the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Who wants to know what that is? It's religion. I like it. It's, it's, it's false teaching. I think sometimes it might even be true teaching. And it's often false. It can be true. But I'm going to tell you, leaven, in other words, leaven, just like he says the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, here he's saying beware of this other leaven. Now listen to me. The first leaven he's saying to beware of is the leaven of religion. And that he mentions two particular. You know, we can, we can parse out what the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of the Sadducees is. You know what it is? The leaven of the Pharisees. You guys know this. The leaven of the Pharisees is that we're going to have entry into the kingdom of God by performance or by fulfilling the law. And Jesus never even hinted except through his fulfillment of the law, that it would have anything to do with it. In other words, the more that influence creeps into us, the more we have something we should be aware of that's actually stealing the invitation into the actual kingdom. Amen? What's the leaven of the Sadducees? The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. How do you have entry into the kingdom or receive Jesus' words of the kingdom so that they're a life-changing, a real thing to us if we don't believe in his resurrection or the promise that we get to join into it? Not possible, right? That's why Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And it's something, it's an influence, and I believe it's alive and well. Okay, it wasn't just a problem. Oh, they had a problem back then. <laughs> I believe it's alive and well. We still fall into performance mindset. We still think we might earn our way in, or when we're having failure, we're, we're earning our way out. Okay, anybody else? That's a few of you. That's good. Don't make me feel lonely. It happens. And, and, you know, it's like, well, I believe in the resurrection of the dead. But now let's make this practical for a minute. How many of you live 
every moment <laughs> in such a way that you're living your life where you actually have faith in the resurrection of Jesus and that you're part of it. How many dead things do we allow in our life or think, boy, I just can't get victory over this one? <laughs> Are you following me? I'm going to tell you, that's the thought of the Sadducees. Jesus rose. <laughs> the leaven of the Pharisees causes us to have the inability to believe all kinds of his words. But he's alive. He's alive. I want you this verse 8. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Oh, you of little faith, harsh, why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up, nor the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up? How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Verse 12, then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Do you know, we, we can't skip over this. Do you know what the word of God just told us? In other words, twice they have seen extravagant effort by God, if we can say God has effort, extravagant evidence that they never have to worry about lunch. <laughs> that, that's, that's why that's recorded there. And yet they're going, oh, geez, we didn't bring lunch. <laughs> at, at the expense of what? At the expense of having eyes and ears to hear Jesus' actual invitation on that day to his kingdom that was upon them, that was there. Go to Mark 8. I'm going to show you one more. This is so important. Mark 8, verse 13. <clears throat> verse 13 starts and says, And he left them, and getting into the boat, departed to the other side. Now, I'm going to leave that alone. Verse 14, Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them, saying, Now listen, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Okay, who's got it? What's the leaven of Herod? This world. That's it. Herod is the appointed king over Judea at their time. The Roman king. Not, not the Jewish king, the Roman king, right? And it's to beware of that leaven. What's this leaven? Remember, leaven is something that begins small, that is influenced in, and is intended to take over the whole thing. How many of you think the leaven of Herod is still something we struggle against? So look, in other words, I think Jesus presents, he says the kingdom of heaven is like, first of all, it's, a, it's, a, it's an upon you thing. It is here. It's not something you're waiting for. Secondly, he says it's within you, okay? But next, he wants you to understand some things about it, is that it can be leavened. And there are, I really think he puts three things out there that it can be leavened by. It can be leavened by himself, <laughs> he can take over the whole thing 
You got it? Or it can be leavened by religious thinking, performance thinking, I check the check boxes, or, or thinking that, well, we're just supposed to perform even though there's no resurrection victory around here. Okay? Religious thinking. Or it can be leavened by the world's thinking. And each of those leavens is an influence, is a spiritual substance that wants to take it over. Now, I've got to remind you that the parables that led up to this is Jesus' parable of the seed. The kingdom is something that starts so small, you either can't or you can barely see it. And it is to, to grow. He's very comfortable with journey. He's also very comfortable, more comfortable than you are, I promise, that you are a mixture of wheat and tares. It doesn't surprise him. It doesn't surprise him. But see, here's what I've got to tell you, and this is really what's on my heart for today. I've got to tell you this. If we live in such a way that we are not comfortable with the tension, that I am both wheat and tares, and Jesus said, let them grow together, and don't worry about it, because in, in the end, in the final harvest of you, I'm going to take out the tares first and burn it, so you're going to be nothing but wheat. There's a promise there. He's comfortable with it. He said it's finished. He's got a plan, and he loves the journey. I'm going to prove it in the Word of God in just a second. But he loves doing the journey with you. Now, here's what you've got to hear. If we're not comfortable with the tension, there's only really two options in how we live. You ready for this? The first one is we can either deny the evil in ourselves, the fact that there is tares, and it will create a tremendously hard job to keep ourselves convinced that we're just perfectly fine and to put out an image that everything is perfectly fine. You got it? Do you know that that, that is a life? You talk about a hard job. You talk about a heavy yoke. When Jesus says the kingdom within you is wheat and tares and there's a tension there and we feel like we have, to, we have to perform our way, right? We have to make sure the tares are not what you see. That will wear a person out. Anybody done it? <laughs> now, that's one option. Now, let me tell you the other option. I believe not only are they both equally around, I think we can do both of them at the same time. <laughs> Can we say broken, fallen, okay? The second one is, what was the first one I gave you? I don't want to tell you the same one twice. The other one is we can fixate on our tears, can't we? We can, we can get so frustrated with ourselves and get so fixated on the evil, on our mistakes, on our failures, that we, we begin to not believe anymore that God says the kingdom is within you and my kingdom is wheat. And it's in there. And I'm the cultivator. I'm the harvest producer, Jesus says. He said, you can't make things grow, can you? <laughs> he is the one at work. And so you have these two options. We can either try to ignore our evil or we can fixate on our evil. Now I'm going to show you the freedom. On, end of, on Freedom Day, it's so important we do this. Actually, let me say this one more thing, okay? 
Do you know that the word of God also says elsewhere, I have no idea where it is right now, but the standard of judgment you use for yourself, you, you use for others, and vice versa? Do you know how that works? It's not like a magical incantation where he's like, where he's like and I think it's easy to interpret it this way, where it's like, well, if, if I judge you this way, then, oh boy, that's the standard God's going to use on me. That's not what that's saying. That's saying our standard of judgment is created by our reality, by our understanding of the kingdom, by which kingdom we live in. You follow me? So in other words, if you're trying to ignore your own evil, which will wear you out, it's also the way you'll think of other people. You will also ignore their evil. Oh, everything's okay. It's okay. You follow me? And vice versa. If you're fixated on your evil and your standard of judgment for yourself is this harsh, as if Jesus is really concerned about it, even though he already paid the price for it, he's delighted in your journey and already acknowledged that you have both wheat and tare. Follow me? But if your standard of judgment is like this, you will automatically be focused on other people's evil and not see the royalty and the sacredness in other people. I have to put that out there. The way you see yourself is the way you see others and vice versa. It's your, it's your lens of reality. And Jesus wants us to have an accurate reality to be receivers of the kingdom. Now, it's about time we tell some good news. Because it, <laughs> it's not good news that you're full of tares, is it? No, the enemy sowed those, and that's not good news. Here's the good news. Go to Philippians um, chapter 2, verse 13. I'm just going to read one really short verse. I dare you to go read the whole chapter before today's over at some point. But here... Here it says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Say, for his good pleasure. Okay, so in other words, here's the thing. Here's our peace with God. Here's the kingdom invitation so you don't have to wear yourselves out in one of those false camps, okay? This may be the hardest thing in the world to believe for some of us or all of us. He takes pleasure at being at work in you. Oh, he loves the destination. He takes pleasure in the fact that there, that day is coming where there are not going to be any tares. But let's talk about today. This verse says, it is for his pleasure to be at work in you. Do you normally think of it that way? How about when you're in the, the, the moment of where you're just, you're in the throes of your failures? How about the same one? Over and over, over and over. Repeat failure. My, my thorn that will never go away. Why can't I do better? And this not only says Jesus is at peace with the kingdom within you and the journey that you're on, that there is wheat and there is tares. It says that it's for his pleasure for God, for, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. How radical is that if we lived more of our moments with an understanding that Jesus delights to be at work in you, not like you're going to be, exactly like you are today. He delights in it. 
It's us that we are the ones that are driven nuts by our lack of perfection. (laughs) He's not. The word of God says he delights to be at work in you. I got got a quiet amen here. He delights to be at work in you. (laughs) I think we have to agree with heaven. Or you know what we do? We go, <laughs> we go around wearing ourselves out on one side of the spectrum or the other. We wear ourselves out trying to ignore our evil, or we wear ourselves, what's the opposite of that? Or we wear ourselves out trying to, um, to fixating on our darkness and not realizing that he says there's a wheat harvest coming. And he is very much, very much delighting in growing the wheat. <laughs> he delights to be at work in you. Can, if he can let you off the hook, can you let yourself off the hook? It's a, it's a good news kingdom, guys. <laughs> Jesus doesn't have any bad news. That's what the enemy sows. And so we're going to have the Lord's Supper today together. And... Um, As we prepare for that table, I want to read one more scripture because this is really going to bring it home. Is this, y'all getting this? Do do you feel the struggles of those those two options that are not in the truth of Jesus? (laughs) Okay, good. I just kind of go, because I hate it when I put a question out there like that and everybody just stares at me and I'm like, oh, geez, it's just me. (laughs) I want to read Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, um, starting there. You're going to be very familiar with this scripture. But I want to encourage you, like we've been saying each week in this series, I want to encourage you, Jesus says you enter the kingdom, the only way you enter the kingdom is like a child. So I want to encourage you, let your preconceptions go for a minute and hear these verses like you've never heard them before. We just pray that, Lord, that you would grant us the miracle of being able to hear this afresh for our heart like we've never heard this before. You all agree? Amen. Okay, here it is. Jesus says, verse 28, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What do you think the labor is? What is the rest that comes from Jesus? You got it? I know you're tracking. Anybody tired (laughs) of performing up or tired of thinking, I'm never going to have a fruitful role in the kingdom. I just mess it up too much all the time. It'll wear us out, won't it? Well, Jesus says, "Come." now he's telling the truth about himself and he is the kingdom. And he says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. You carry a heavy burden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This is the kingdom of God. I notice whenever I start to really get tired (laughs) in this whole following Jesus thing that um, I'm actually not following Jesus. (laughs) I just think I am. Because Jesus' yoke is easy. Jesus' yoke doesn't require religious thinking or religious performance. Jesus' yoke doesn't require the performance this world demands. 
Jesus' yoke, being yoked to Jesus is freedom from being worn out. When we're not feeling the freedom, it's okay, just go ahead and say to yourself, whoops, Jesus must have went that way and I'm at least a degree off. Because he is gentle (laughs) and lowly in heart. In other words, he's not worried about the cultivation of your field. He's not whipping the ox like you're an ox to get your field right. He's gentle and lowly of heart. He's like, we got it. We got your field. Just keep coming with me. I delight to be at work in you. That's Jesus. (laughs) Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What if, I want you just to, to listen to these questions with me. What if we believed that Jesus was delighted with you even though there are the tares? That's pretty radical. What, what if you believed that Jesus being at work in you and just being delighted with you even at the moment of your, of your most crippling failure today and tomorrow, that's the light yoke. You got it? What if you believed Jesus actually delights to be at work in you? And I want to tell you, that's what this table is. This table. It is only the blood of Jesus Christ that covers so that you can have the easy yoke. You see, at this table, we are invited into his death. How could it be good news to be invited into someone's death? His death paid the price, so your yoke is light. So your performance means nothing. Why does your performance mean nothing? It's his performance. (laughs) It's finished. That's why he can be at peace in your field. He can be at peace exactly the way you are, not who you're going to grow into tomorrow or when you're finished and perfected. He's at peace with you exactly the way you are right there today, delighted because of the blood that covers. His body was broken, so you don't have to be broken. So you could be whole and at peace, even though he says the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God within you is a mixture. There's a tension there. I think, you know, Jesus wants to say to you that there's an invitation. He wants to say to you, this drives you nuts more than it drives me nuts. <laughs> because he, he has assurance that he is going to finish the work in you. Amen? The only ones who doubted it is us. The frustration is ours, but he says, I love the journey. I purposely designed the kingdom as a journey for you to be yoked with me where the burden is light. Amen? Um, Perhaps you might do it like this. You might ask the Lord, Lord, where do I try to ignore my evil? because I'm uncomfortable with it even though you're not and you've got it well in hand. And then also you might ask, um, Lord, where do I fixate on the evil where you just want to give your healing touch and say, and say, I've got it. Don't worry about that. You got, we've got to quit denying the wheat. That's what I should say. Let's make it simple. 
Ask him, where do I deny the wheat? You see the two sides. And I believe he'll answer. He wants to speak to you right now on one or both. Amen? Okay, Father, we ask a blessing on this meal. We thank you that we are always in your presence, whether we're aware of it or not. You never leave or forsake us. I thank you that you are here, that you love us, that you plan to speak right now as we join you at your table. So in the authority of of your name, Jesus, we bless this meal together and the fellowship with you that it has for us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And I feel like today as we close the service, there's just one more thing we've got to do. Um, Might be someone in this building. Might be, if you're out on podcasts or seeing this by video, um, we want to give the invitation. If you've never received Jesus' invitation, into the kingdom. Um, Today can be your day. You can just decide that right now. If you're tired of the endless cycle of trying to ignore your evil and then fixating on your fallenness and evil, if you want the easy yoke, if you want peace with God is what's offered in this kingdom. Jesus had has done everything necessary for you to have peace, to invite you to be growing into what he calls the wheat, the glory and the participation that you get in the kingdom of God, along with the tares. There is peace exactly like you are. And all you have to do today is just say, Lord, I want that. I want to give up the heavy yoke and I want your yoke. And so, church, would you just join with me and pray? Father, we thank you for anyone, everyone, who's just been moved to accept the invitation to your kingdom. In the authority of the name of Jesus, we command that the enemy cannot touch the seed you just planted. And we bless in the authority of your kingdom. We bless this journey. This seed is going to become like the mustard tree. And I pray that the influence of this seed will overtake everything so they get to have every joy of the kingdom. They get to have all the peace. Before it's said and done, you win, Jesus. And we thank you for each and every brother or sister that just became one of our siblings in your family. And I ask you, Lord, to bless them with those around them who can help walk them into your next steps in the kingdom. I ask you to protect them from the leaven of this world, protect them from the the leaven, the tyranny of religion, that they could have a blessed and growing relationship with you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you.